Welcome if you're listening over the internet. Welcome. I have a surprise for everyone today. I have attorney Michelle Michelle Lanchester on the line with me. She's going to be joining us today. And she's going to give us another perspective because she does the same thing I do, wills, trust, and estate planning. But she also is in court a lot more than I am. And so I asked her to come on to talk about real live challenges that people have when they have to go to court for their family members who are sick but to have no power of attorney or when they have to go to court and somebody has died without a will, what are the kind of practical challenges that, you know, we all face that we as lawyers face and as families face. So in a few minutes, I'm going to introduce attorney Michelle Lanchester. She is on the line with me. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, Ethel. My pleasure. I'm just so excited to be on with you this morning. Thank you. My pleasure, and thank you for coming on and being available to not only share your information with my audience, but also to answer their questions. This program is brought to you by my law office, Wills and Trust, LLC, where we prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives, So if someone you know needs a will, a trust, or assistance in administering an estate, give us a call at 240-638-2828. Because remember, law is really powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know about the law will definitely hurt you. And what you do know can empower you. So each week, this program, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, aims to empower you by bringing you professionals who know the law to enlighten and inform you. As you hear me say every week, also voting is powerful. It determines the type of government we do. If we want the law to help our communities, we must vote for people who are most likely to help us. So remember, Vote, vote in this midterm election. Don't sit it out. Vote so that we as a group and you as an individual will always have your wishes uh, responded to. So don't forget that. And also remember to go if you're called to be on a jury. People who vote can sit on juries. Don't ignore that. They're about, I think they're about to start opening back up again. And if you get called, make sure that you go. It's very, very important. Remember, though, what you hear on the program or what's on our website is for information purposes only. There's no attorney-client relationship established by anything said on this program or on the website. Each person's circumstances are different, and you must seek individual counsel for any situation for which you need legal advice. So let's get started today. I want to remind you that this is a program where you can call in and ask questions. I'm going to ask Attorney Lanchester to begin to share her knowledge with us in a few minutes. But I want you to remember, while I'm on the air, which is for an hour and a half, call with your questions, 1-800-450-7876. That's 
7876. And remember, there are no dumb questions. If you don't understand something, I bet you a hundred other people don't either. So I will, I'm sure Attorney Lanchester will do our best to answer your questions. But as we said, we're only giving out information right now. We're trying to educate and empower you. But please do not hesitate to call. But first, let me introduce my guest. Attorney Michelle Lanchester went to Vassar College and Howard University School of Law. She is licensed to practice law in Maryland and the District of Columbia. She has offices in Largo, Maryland, and in the District of Columbia. She is an experienced estate planning wills and trust attorney. She's a member of Alfred Street Baptist Church who strives to put God first in all things. She has worked with the AARP in areas of guardianship, conservatorship, wills, trust, advanced directives, and financial power of attorneys. She has counseled thousands of clients throughout her career and has worked with a wide variety of clients from diverse backgrounds. So, Michelle, welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning, and thank you for having me. I, I, I'm I just so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you. <laughs> I really am. We've been kind of talking about this for a while, so I was like, yes, okay, come on, Michelle. Now's the time to yes. do it. People sick of just hearing me talk about this stuff. Let me let me bring them somebody else that does this stuff too as well. Okay. The, the so, time is now. You do an excellent job. I mean, you're you're awesome. You're incredible. Well, thank you very thank much. You. you are also thank you. So now now Michelle, talk to my 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 audience a little bit yes. because you're in probate court a lot more often than I am because. I file papers and so on, but as you know, because I've sent you clients, when people start fighting, I'm just not there. You know, I'm not fighting. I'm not doing litigation. I also don't do guardianship and so on like that. So, so okay. talk to us about what you see when you go to probate court in D.C. and in Maryland. Tell me what. Yes. What do you see? Yeah. Well, well, well. First of all, I, I just want to stand in agreement with you. Um, you know, when you say that you're giving information to empower people, and the information that you give out is so, um, so essential. Okay, and you know, to help people to claim their power. You know, the power is there, and and yeah. so how does that how does that relate to um, issues that I deal with? Um, is this the information that you give out, Ethel? You know, you you help people to really avoid uh, the court process or or to yes. minimize contact with the court process, which is so important. And so let me let me break it down like this. So I'm sure on your program, week after week, you tell people to make sure they have their um, power of attorney documents done, right? Yep. Am I right about yep. that? The, every, the week. Financial, every week, every the week, every week. So let's just look at the financial power of attorney document that you talk to people about every week where, you know, you tell them, okay, you know, in that document you appoint someone who would step into your shoes 
in the event of an emergency to handle financial matters for you if you become ill, God forbid, mm-hmm. or or even if you leave the country, you know, if you decide to, yeah. leave, I don't know who's, I don't know who's leaving the country now during these COVID. Not right now, but if, right, yeah. But if you have mm-hmm. to go out of the country because of work for for a few months, you appoint someone that you trust in this uh, financial power of attorney document who would handle business and property matters for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what happens if? For some reason, you decide, you as an adult over the age of 18, decide that you're not going to get that document done, okay? You don't mm-hmm. have a, a power of attorney document. And then, yeah. lo and behold, something happens, an accident. Yeah. And we hear this all the time because, you know, we mm-hmm. get calls all the time from people who say, you know, my aunt or my uncle had a stroke. And um, mm-hmm. the bills have to be paid. We can't get access to their bank account. And, you know, yeah. the mortgage has to be paid or the mortgage yeah. company won't talk to us. Well, that's mm-hmm. because by law, if you don't have, if that person doesn't have a, a financial power of attorney document that has appointed you or someone they trust to handle matters for them, by law, no one can speak for them. No, you can't mm-hmm. go into the bank and say, well, my mama's sick, <laughs> and we mm-hmm. need, we need mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can't do that. Why? Yeah. Because the law says you can't, okay? And yeah. then you don't go in with this financial power of attorney document. So then what yeah. is the recourse? What's the legal recourse? <laughs> Let me be clear. What is the legal yeah. recourse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because so the only legal recourse at that point is well, I mean, you could just let things go, and you know, your house goes, lose their houses and all kind of stuff. Lose their houses, right? Or, mm-hmm. or you can go into court and file for guardianship. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. Now that's a court process that you, yep. you know, in, in D.C. in the District of Columbia, that court process is through the through the probate division. But the guardianship mm-hmm. is a court process where you have to file a petition. Then you mm-hmm. have to show, you know, you have to show that this person is somehow incapacitated. Okay. Yep. Yep. In the District of Columbia, that means that that person will have to be examined by either a physician or uh, or a licensed uh, social clinical social worker or a licensed psychologist. Okay, who yeah. will determine that that person is incapacitated? They had a stroke yeah. uh, that left them incapacitated, or they have dementia, meaning they cannot mm-hmm. handle their own affairs. Okay, right. So right, right. Now, okay, so now, now you have issues of what you have to prove to the court in order to show that that person is incapacitated. Okay, yeah. then Which you is also not you want to do for your parents. You really. You don't have to. Right, exactly. You don't want you don't want to do that for your parents. Okay, you yeah. don't want to be in yeah. front of a judge. But you don't saying, have a choice. Exactly. You don't want you don't want to do that for your parents. Okay, you yeah. don't want to be yeah. in front of a judge. But you don't saying, have a choice. Yeah. You don't My have a choice. Don't know what she's doing. Yeah. Right. Because you didn't. Because you know. Uh, your mama didn't your do mother, a power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Didn't do a power of attorney. Okay. Yeah. Now, not only not only is that an issue of showing the issue of incapacity. Uh, in, you know, of that person being incapacitated, but then you also 
um, you know, you have to notify all of the next of kin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. You have to yep. notify all the next of kin that this is this is happening, and yep. you have to um, have to have a hearing in front of the judge. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, mm-hmm. bring your witnesses and have a hearing, and you know, your mother or your aunt or whoever you're claiming is incapacitated. They should be present. They have to be yeah. present. You have to you have to get them served with these papers that have been drawn up to show that they're incapacitated. So mm-hmm. here you are, um, in front of a court, in front of a judge with all of these issues. Now, then yeah. you're saying to the judge, Okay, I want you to appoint me or I want you to appoint appoint, you know, a loved one to handle matters um for this person. So then that yep. means that you are giving the judge the power to um, appoint someone who would have control over your mother's life, your aunt's life, or your life, yep. okay? okay, And their property. And their property. And their property. And their property. That you might live this in or you might want. That you, yeah. might, that you may want. So they, that, yeah. that judge makes a decision about what happens to your loved one, where they live, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they make a make a decision about who also can visit. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Make decisions yeah. about make decisions about who controls their money. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Now this is now now people say, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. You mean the judge can decide? Who controls my mother's money or my money if I become incapacitated? Right. Yes. And, yes. and, 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 and Michelle, also, t- also tell them about husband and wife. What happens even if you're married to the person? Because yes. that's something people don't realize. Yes. That that's yes. with a joint yes. bank account, the court can yes. still tell you to separate your money and control it. Please that's explain right. that. If, if that person becomes incapacitated, you go to court. And, you know, you have a hearing and the judge says, okay, yes, they are incapacitated. Um, They cannot handle their own affairs. I'm going to appoint a guardian and a conservator. Conservator is the person who handles the money and the property for the incapacitated person. Um, And what if the person, like you said, is married? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yes. The court can say, okay, so because what the conservator's job is, is to give a report to the court about that person's assets, each thing, all of their bank accounts, they can take over and control of all, each one of their bank accounts, even if they're joint. There There has to be a separation because the court has to know you know, what exactly this person owns, what exactly to the penny is in the bank account um, that is for that individual person. And, 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 and I think a lot of people don't realize that. They assume if it's joint, then the other person can control it. But are you saying that they, the court can say, no, move half of that money out? Because yes. they make their own bank accounts, too. The conservator has yes. to have a separate bank account. Yeah, the conservator has to have a separate bank account. That's right. And yes, they can say, okay, well, the judge is going to want to know, okay, well, what what portion of that account belongs to the wife or the husband who's incapacitated? Yeah. <laughs> and the conservator yeah. has to figure it out. Now, the other problem 
um, or issue, shall I say, that you may face is that you you yourself may want to be the conservator for your mom or for your dad or for your loved one, okay? Yeah. So what mm-hmm. that means is, this is what it means. <laughs> you have to also go through a credit check because you have to get bonded. In other words, yeah. um, in order in order for the court to trust that you can <laughs> handle someone's money, um, you have to go yeah. through an insurance company to get bonded, um, yeah. and they will basically the bonding the bonding process is saying, okay, you can trust this person to handle this amount of money because their credit is great, you know, or their credit is good enough to handle. $500,000 worth of assets or a million dollars worth of assets. So now what happens if, you know, <laughs> I mean, there are some of us who, some people whose yeah. credit is not great. It's not that okay? good. Or if you, you have, have bankruptcies, bankruptcies or whatever. Yeah. Right. You're not going to qualify to become the conservator of that person's money or your mother's money, your mother's property, you're not going to qualify. So then what is the alternative for the judge to do? They have to appoint someone to handle that person's money. And who do they turn to? Well, the court system is already set up. They already have a panel of attorneys who are ready, willing, and able to step in to handle your affairs. And so the court just looks at, you know, who's on the panel. They'll appoint one of the court-appointed attorneys, and they will step in and handle things um, and become the conservator. Now, you say, okay, that that doesn't sound so bad. Well, here it is. Here it is. Here it is, Ethel. The guardianship process in the District of Columbia and Maryland, if the court appoints someone, those folks get paid out of your your loved money. one's money. That's right. Hello. That's right. So what does that That's mean? Right. This is what mm-hmm. it means. <clears throat> In the District of Columbia, for guardianship process, the court will appoint a court-appointed attorney for your loved one, okay? They will also appoint an examiner, that is someone who comes out to examine to determine whether or not that person is incapacitated, okay? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they appoint a second attorney called a guardian ad litem whose job mm-hmm. is to do a report to tell the court what's in the best interest of that incapacitated person. So now that's three mm-hmm. <laughs> professionals already who are going to get paid. Out of the top money, off the top, off the top. Yeah. Then, then if they appoint uh, a permanent guardian, if they're appointed by court, they get paid out of that person's money, ongoing. And the conservator who does the report for the court uh, regarding the assets and the money (laughs) that that person owes, they get paid out of that person's money. And that's before your yes. mortgage gets paid or any other bills gets paid, too. <laughs> they get paid out that's of right. money. And it's all because yeah. you don't have a power of attorney. All because, all because you did not you claim your power, as you have been telling people, Ethel, to get yeah. the financial power of attorney done. And it's so important. It really is. It is, yeah, it it is, is really, it is really important. So essential. 
Yeah, now, I will. I, you know, and, and so the thing about the District of Columbia that I that I really like, and have to give their props to, is if if you have a financial power of attorney or a medical power of attorney, for that matter, and the person ends up in the guardianship um, court system, uh, someone files and someone says, well, I don't think this person can handle their own affairs. I have I have seen that the District of Columbia in particular will honor, will definitely honor these financial power of attorney and, and power of attorney okay. documents. Good. You, you good, see what good, I'm good, saying? Good. So if, yeah. if but you got to have one. If, you got to have one. You have to have yeah. one, and and you should have one that is done correctly. And that's why they should be turning to people like you and myself, but in and yourself, you know, yeah. You, yeah, but in particular, into people like you who have experience in drafting and preparing these uh, financial power of attorney documents. You know, because, yeah. of course, I know you because can... D.C. has a power time. of attorney. Yeah. 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 D.C. has a particular I, power of attorney that they want. And and yeah. you're not going to find it, you know, the forms yeah. that you get from Staples yeah. and other places like that <laughs> will not <laughs> have right. that language in it, you know? Do not, do so, not address. Yeah, and you, you really want to get these done and done properly. So so let me just, just put in here. You're, you're, everyone, you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, Attorney Michelle Lanchester is our guest today. She is talking specifically about what happens when your loved ones do not have power of attorneys where they have named the person, you or whoever it is that they trust, to be in charge of their financial matters if they become incapacitated, okay? Attorney uh, Lanchester does this, has been doing it for 30 years, and she really knows what happens. She's in the probate courts in the conservatorship and guardianship proceedings. And I asked her to come because she has the practical knowledge of what happens when you are faced with this situation, which is not uncommon. I mean, all of us get older. All of us are subject to to heart and health. I mean, health issues, especially now with COVID. Uh, and, And that's why you keep hearing me say every week, Get these things done. Blame the lawyers if you want. If you have to blame somebody when you're talking to your parents and your loved ones, your aunts, your uncles, about how important it is to have these documents done. So you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. If you have questions, call now while Attorney Lanchester and I are both on the phone at 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. And let me give you Attorney Lanchester's number. Uh, her number is 301-322-3700. That's 301-322-3700. Or her office in Washington, D.C., 202-220-3000. Okay? It's lanchesterlaw.com. Is her website, and you can reach her on those uh, by in, in those phone numbers and on her website. If you listen uh, to me, I've been doing this for over eight years now. You keep hearing me say over and over again, you need to do a will, you need to do a power of attorney, and so on. And I thought it would be good if we had somebody else 
to explain as well the practical parts of what happens when somebody dies without a will or when somebody gets sick without a power of attorney. So um, I know I have a caller on the line. If you don't mind, please wait a little bit. Uh, please stay tuned uh, or call in 1-800-450-7876 if you have questions for Attorney Lanchester or myself. But first, I'd like Attorney Lanchester to give us an idea, because we talked about this last week. Um, why is it that a lot of people say, well, my parents didn't have a will. What's different now, uh, Attorney Lanchester, about you know, why it's so important for people to have wills now. Um, so talk to us about that, please. Attorney Lanchester, are you on? Doug, is Attorney Lanchester on? Okay, is that better? Can you hear me? Yeah, now, I, yeah, now we can hear you. Yes, yes. Okay, great. Yeah, I love that question because, you know, I, I, I want to share this with you. Like, even in... Uh, even with my own parents, I'm going to share this story with you, Ethel, even with my own parents. And my, my parents grew up in the South. My mom grew up in South Carolina. My dad grew up in North Carolina. And, um, you know, they were born in the 19-teens, okay? Mm-hmm. With me? Mm-hmm. All right. So the 19-teens. So growing, and, and they always talked to me about growing up, um, what they had to face in the South. And it was a lot mm-hmm. of discrimination. They could not, their parents, um, for example, my my grandmother could not read or write, okay? Uh Mm -hmm. And and my mother's, my parents' parents um, could not turn to um, the system or to to lawyers to get things done because they could not find, uh, they couldn't, they could not trust that uh, that the attorneys that they would turn to would really help them because during yeah. that time, of course, because of the discrimination uh, against black people in particular, they couldn't, you know, the system was not designed where they could trust. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. or the court didn't either. They, right. They knew they couldn't be protected by the courts. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the uh, most of the attorneys did not look like them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, during mm-hmm. that time, you know, my parents weren't even, um, <clears throat> they had to work. They couldn't go to school. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Now, yeah. So, so that is part of my um, cultural history that was mm-hmm. sort of passed on to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those type of attitudes. But yeah. nevertheless, I still pressed my parents to make sure they went to an attorney to get their things done. It took a lot of uh, a lot of talking, a lot of exposure. Um, but mm-hmm. the point is that the point is that many of us come from backgrounds where our parents and grandparents could not trust the court system um, because of his, you know, historical uh, distri- discrimination they faced. Okay, could mm-hmm. not trust, couldn't, could not see people or professionals who look like them. All right, mm-hmm. um, that they could mm-hmm. trust. Um, to get whatever business they needed done done in their in their favor done correctly right. for that right now right. a lot has changed since then okay mm-hmm. uh, definitely mm-hmm. we still don't face racism and discrimination but a lot has changed 
and we are fortunate in the DMV, District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia area, that you can find an attorney in this area that if you want to find an attorney that looks like you, you know, you're saying yeah. ethnicity, um, you know, you want to find a male attorney or, or a woman attorney, there we are plentiful <laughs> in this area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 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 some of those same challenges that our grandparents face, we we don't really face that. But those attitudes were passed on to us. Like, well, we don't mm-hmm. need to, you know, you don't need to do a will, you know, that you don't need to take care of that kind of business. I, I've, I already know the decisions that I've made. You know, I wrote them down on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. So don't yeah. worry about yeah. that. When I die, mm-hmm. you know, I wrote down what I want. Well, as you have been telling people, so it does not work like that. You doesn't need like to have a last, a last will and testament. Yeah. Um, you need yeah. to appoint somebody that you trust to be your executor or personal representative, as you've been telling yeah. people over the years. Yeah. Okay. Now, what happens? You really do. So what happens when you don't have that? Okay. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Let's get into that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you don't draft your or have an attorney draft your own last will and testament for you, oh, you, you'll hear people say, don't worry, the, the court has it all planned out for you. Uh, yeah, they mm-hmm. have it planned out. But it might not, it's not going to be planned according to the decisions that you want made for your property and for your loved yeah. Okay? That's right. So, That's now, right. Uh, I can tell you stories of having been in court, especially in the District of Columbia, where, say, you know, people have been living in grandma's house. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. For, for years, two generations. Years and years. Okay. Yeah. Grandma passed, mm-hmm. grandma passed in the 1960s. Okay, but you yep. all are still living in the house. Yep. All right, and, and never then made a change. Up, and then something mm-hmm. comes up, and you have to go into probate court to deal with that house. All right, yep. no will. Yep. What yep. happens? Okay, well, somebody has to qualify to become the executor or the personal representative of the estate. All right, yep. Yep. somebody has to qualify. Meaning, if there's no will, you, as I was. You know, even like I talked about in the guardianship situation, you have to qualify to become bonded. (laughs) So that whole credit check process uh, is in play. And if you don't have, um, you know, a traceable income. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Right. A lot of people, if you, for example, if you work in the hair profession or what have you and Oh, if you work for yourself, okay, and mm-hmm. you don't have a W two, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, then then how can they prove your income? You know, how how is your income going to be proved through a credit check for you to get bonded? Yeah. So that's so that's an obstacle there. Okay, people can't get bonded. Now, the other thing is, how do we determine who the heirs are? Oh, after a couple of generations, okay. Yeah. <laughs> What if what if the person who died had several children, ten children? Okay. Yeah. What if some of those children died and yeah. and had children of their own? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've had situations where we're going back three generations of trying to figure oh, out yeah. who are the heirs. Yeah. Okay. I had forty-two people one time. Oh 42 my god. Forty-two people. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget it. And you had to have the names, the addresses, and and how they were related. That's right. You have to report all that to the court. And then you have to send them notices also. Notices, uh, report, and then sometimes, depending on the complexity of if if you don't file uh, for probate until like 10 or so years later after the person died, then it becomes a supervised process, and, meaning yeah, that that's a nightmare. Examines everything that you do. There's a re- yeah. there's reporting period. Uh, you have to re- yeah. you have to do an inventory to report to the court, and if it do- if it's not done correctly, you have to do it over and over again. Over and over again. Do- yeah. You have to do an accounting for the court. If it's not done correctly, yeah. you have to do it over and over again. And then if it's not done, you know, if- then if you keep making errors or if you don't get it done then the court is going to appoint an executor from their yeah. panel of attorney to take over um, the entire... And then they controlled grandma's house. And they controlled grandma's house. They controlled grandma's house. Uh, Michelle has been giving us a very realistic, down-to-earth view of what happens when you go to court. I uh, offered to have people call in 1-800-450-7876. And uh, Doug, is there? There was a caller on the line. I know. Are they still there? Yeah. Do you want me to bring them on? Yes, please, please. Thank you. Good morning. Hey, Grand Rising. Thank you so much for your show. Um, the I have a question about my son giving his aunt, his dad's sister, power of attorney. His dad died unexpectedly, and he's the only child. Well, the Uh aunt has not contacted him about anything, about the dad's estate, anything, since he turned over power power of attorney. So we don't know what was in the estate. Is she supposed to report back to him? Did he have a will? He had no will. Okay. Then, then, uh, well, Michelle, do you want to Speak to her because the power of attorney ends when you die. Okay. Right. So now the the child is, from what you're saying, the sole heir of his father's estate. Yes. If that is so, then you, perhaps on behalf of your son, he's a minor. Is that right? No, he's an adult. Oh, then then he needs to go to a lawyer, have a lawyer prepare papers to file to. Uh, get control of his father's estate. Well, the father died unexpectedly, and we're in D.C. His dad was in California, and his aunt oh, was in Georgia. And, and okay, so, but then he's going to have to get a. No, it doesn't matter if he. Remember, the aunt dies. I mean, sorry, the power of attorney dies when the person dies. Think of it that way. The well, only thing that's effective after someone dies is a last will and testament or perhaps a trust. If he didn't have either one of those, then his heir must take control and get a lawyer in California, where the father was, and go and get control of the estate and, you know, have it administered. Well, the aunt aunt knew, she had had, um, been married and was living in California. And she had still her children, her ex-husband, 
So she flew back out there. She's familiar with the area. Um, um, and asked her nephew, my son, to turn over power of attorney to her because <clears throat> the state recognized just my son, his only child. So we have no idea what was in the estate. When we gave her power of attorney, she stopped communication. Well, maybe you should get your own lawyer and get somebody else to to do it because he's the he's the he is the heir. Right. Did she, she have obligation right. to disclose to her to him what was in his dad's estate? But if she doesn't, you have an obligation, or your son has the the duty to find out for himself. Get another lawyer. Don't just blame her and and then lose out because she didn't tell you. You can you can always revoke a power of attorney. Okay. So it's been a while, and she has not notified you. Have have your son get a lawyer in California. They can find out what's been done in the court, and make an appearance on behalf of your son. Okay. Um, okay. It would have to be a large estate or something for that to be worthwhile, correct? I I don't know. I don't know. Michelle, do you have any suggestions for her? I think, um, I mean, the the major thing is that you are in a legal arena. And so that's why Ethel uh, Mitchell is saying to you, you have to get an attorney to unravel all these legal complexities for you. So the you know, for so the best thing that we can say to you is that you have to get an attorney um, who can sit down and unravel all of these issues for you. But is she obliged to disclose to him once he gave her the power of attorney? That, we, can't not, okay. we can't tell you that. We don't we know. And whether we she's obliged or not, you 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 are obliged if you want to protect your son or he wants to protect himself. He is the one who's losing out. So he has to stand up for himself. If he's an adult and she's not doing what he expected her to do, then he gets his own person or he has to speak up for himself. Oh, may I ask one other quick question? Okay, yes. if my dad passed away and I um, lost power of attorney, um, which I got through the courts initially, I had no idea that my grand, his grandson, my nephew, was um, entitled because my sister pre-deceased my dad and through Persterpes or some D.C. law, he was entitled to half the estate. Well, that's been a few years now that the state's been closed, but I've uncovered other funds that I had been told I need to reopen the estate to have access um, the power of attorney reports is not communicating with me at all. So what options and obligations do I have? Okay, do you have number one. Do you have an attorney working with you? No. That's what you need. I cannot stress that uh, point. Um, you need to get a lawyer. Um, the courts are not permitted to give you legal advice. Um, you know, the court is just the arena in which, you know, they, they judge uh, what things should or should not happen. But that is based on, 
that is based on the information that you provide. They cannot give you legal advice. You need an attorney. As I said, these things are so complex. And when you don't have, you know, when you're in a situation where a will was not done. So um, you need to have an attorney that is really going to um, fight for you and explain the process to you and work through the process for you. Yeah. And, and yeah, when, and, and, and try to remember that when you're in court or it, when you're having to do with property of people who have died, the law is in control at that point. And when the person dies without leaving a will, then the law takes over and does what it says needs to be done with their property. And that's why it's so important. We can't stress that enough to get everybody, your parents, your grandparents, yourself, even your minors, even your, 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 your adult son, to have a will. You can always change it. But at least have a will that says who's in charge. So you say who's in charge. It says you don't have to have a bond, which can be extremely helpful for, for a lot of people. And it says who gets what. We really can't emphasize that enough. It's so important. And you said you do not have to have a bond? If the will says you don't have to have a bond, Oh, then you the don't. Okay. That's what the will that uh, a will, and that's why we say get your will done by a lawyer because they know how to say these things. All right. Okay. They know how to make sure there's an attestation clause on your will. I see so many wills that people go and get forms, or they copy other people's wills, and then they don't have the proper attestation clause on the on the witnesses, and they think it's okay because they put a notary on it. It's not. Mm. So it's really important to get lawyers to do this stuff for you. It really is. We can't emphasize that enough. But since you're already in court, in two circumstances already, it sounds like, you for your father and your son for his father, get lawyers to help you. It really makes a difference. We know the court system and we can help you. And it, it usually saves a lot of money instead of costing you just a lot of money. You get a whole lot back because you've got somebody that can tell you what needs to be done. Okay. Okay? okay. Yes. Well, thank you thank, for calling. Thank yeah, you. Thank you very much for calling. They're very good questions. Attorney Lanchester is on the line with me today, and she's been talking about the importance of having a will power of attorney. Uh, and some of the situations that she sees in court when you don't have those things. Uh, perhaps, uh, Attorney Lanchester, can you give us some other examples of things that you have seen or examples of cases that have occurred when people die without the proper documents, without a will? Or You, you talked to me this week about having a a burial directive, how important even that is. Oh, yes. What are some yes. of those cases? Yes. Can, you, you, you know, you, your show is just so important because you continue to, you know, expose people to these estate planning basics that, that we just need, people just need to know about. Now, yes, we were talking 
earlier this week about a document that I think is so important uh, for people to have. I, I actually call it Final Wishes Letter of Instruction. And, um, for example, what it does is it covers the issue of what happens to your body, your physical body after you die. Who's going to be in charge of it? Um, will you be buried or cremated? And so, you know, when people first hear that, they say, well, you know, what does that matter? So I think the most famous example that I have for you um, has to do with a famous person who died uh, in the name of James Brown. Now, I always Mm -hmm. ask people, did James Brown, did he have a will? And a lot of people say, no, he didn't have a will, because that's why they were fighting over where he should be buried and all. said, well, no, he had a will. <laughs> but he, had a trust too. Yeah. he didn't he didn't have me he need, he didn't have me or Ethel Mitchell as his lawyer. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I think we could have helped him out, Ethel. But anyhow, he did not have a final wishes letter of instruction that dealt mm-hmm. with where he should be buried. And so mm-hmm. his loved ones were actually in court fighting over where he should be buried. Um, you know, I have had calls. I have had people to call me and say, you know, I couldn't bury myself because someone, <laughs> because an in-law called the funeral home and said that uh, he was actually married to someone else. So the funeral oh home had to, yes, funeral home had to hold up um, because by law, only your next of kin. If you don't have something in writing, known as the final wishes or burial directive, you don't have something mm-hmm. in writing saying what's going to ha- who's going to be in charge and what's going to happen to your body. The funeral uh, home has to go by who is the legal next of kin. If you have someone calling in and saying, "Well, the wife is not the wife; it's somebody else," then the funeral oh, home my. has to hold up until that gets resolved. Oh yes, yes. Oh my! Oh I've my! Situations where children have called in and said, "Well, you know, the funeral. My my parent is still with, um, still on, still at the funeral home. It's been six weeks. We can't get yeah. that person. Can't get my parent buried because listen to this. Because the the spouse has dementia and, oh <laughs> and will, my. Not will not. Oh call. my." Right, and the spouse is what the next of kin, right? So, oh my, yeah, yes, I've had examples like so. Without you having a legal document that says who will be in charge, you know, after you die, you know, and does not indicate your wishes, burial or cremation, uh, and who will be in charge, then if something happens. If your spouse is incapacitated and can't make that decision for the uh, for the funeral home, then the funeral everything gets put on pause. Yeah, okay? yeah. So yeah. I can't stress, and I know a lot of people don't do it, and they figure the will covers it, but the will does not cover this. Not um, the not the burial directive, and the will right. does not go through probate until long after the funeral. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and so, paying for the funeral is is a problem. Paying for the funeral can be a problem for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I tell my clients, please make arrangements 
for your bank account to have money in it, that a bank account that somebody can get to after you die to pay for your funeral or make sure you have insurance where everybody's in agreement that they're going to sign to the funeral home to bury you. Whatever That's it right. is, try to make those arrangements ahead of time. Not just the, the, the legal part to say who's in charge. I make it as part of either the, the medical directive or sometimes I'll do a separate burial directive or cremation directive saying who's in charge and what you want and where you want to be buried. And if you're a veteran and you want to be buried in a military cemetery, you got to have your DD-214, I think it's called. You yes, have proof that you qualify for that. All those kinds of arrangements need to be made ahead of time. It's really, really important. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. Give us a call. Call now while Attorney Lanchester is on the phone and I'm on the phone. If you have questions about wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives, 1-800-450-7876. You can reach Attorney Lanchester at 301-322-3700 or 202-220-3000, or you can reach me, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, at Wills and Trusts, LLC, 240-638-2828. So call while we're on the air while you have a chance. Our next break will be the last break of the day, 1-800-450-7876. Michelle, why don't we talk a little bit more about what a person needs to, or why a person needs to have a will or a trust that's done by a lawyer. And and if you have a trust, why it needs to be properly funded. It's not enough just to buy it off the shelf or buy it, you know, online and then not do anything with it. You've got to put your money in it. You've got to put your, your into the trust. You've got to move your, your property into it with deeds and so on. But maybe you can chime in on that as well, because I talk about it all the time. But please yeah, tell us a little bit. Uh, Attorney Mitchell, I, and I think that's so important that you stress um, that all the time. And the more, the longer I've been in practice, the more I, I really think that the trust is really a great um, tool to use and a great avenue um, to use. And this is why, because as you've been telling people, when you create a trust and when you when it's done properly by by you or by an attorney and when it's properly funded you avoid the probate process meaning yeah. if you get it done correctly and all of your property is funded into the trust then there's no property that has to pass through the probate court process yeah and so that would be such a great advantage for people who um, <laughs> may have, you know, uh, credit issues or, or issues getting bonded. You avoid all of that because you don't have to be bonded. Um, uh, you don't have to go through the bonding process if the trust is properly done, properly worded, and properly Funded, and the only yeah. pe- and and the major people who know how to do that for you are attorneys. Why yeah. is that? Because even though it's in English, <laughs> the <laughs> English is considered legalese. It's a whole different mm-hmm. language. It's almost like reading Greek, 
And, you know, mm-hmm. although you, you, may, you, you think, like you said, you can go into Staples and buy these pre-made um, forms, they're not tailor-made, customized, especially for your particular situation. And you as an attorney, Ethel, can show them specifically how all of this should be worded so that it is customized mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. Okay. In other words, you, an attorney has the craftsmanship or craftswomanship to be able to do these things correctly. You're familiar with the rules, the laws, and everything, all of the proper things that should be in it customized for your client. And so yeah. that is why it's so important to have. So the trust, you can avoid the pro- the court process altogether, <laughs> which is yeah. awesome, yeah. which is what that you is want. That is amazing. It is, yeah. And, and, and also, even if, and if you want to make changes in your trust or you, you, you take something out of your trust, please come back to that lawyer and have them do the changes. I, I tell you, uh, Attorney Mitchell, I have enjoyed this so much. Um, and your show over the years is just so important um, for this this community um, because you've been telling people to uh, claim their power. You know, the, the yeah. information is power. The law is powerful. So claim it. Claim your power by what? Getting your power of attorney documents done correctly by you know, an attorney such as yourself, uh, claim your power by getting your medical power of attorney done, you know, claim your power by getting your wills and trusts done. And and this is why, so that you remain in control of the decision that you have made for your life. You remain in control yeah. of your decisions for your life while you're alive. That's why you do the power of attorney document. Uh, for your financial matters and your medical matters. So your decisions about your finances, um, you you maintain that, and you appoint yeah. someone who will honor those decisions, okay? Yeah. Why leave it up to the court? Why leave it up to judges or, or attorneys um, through the court system who don't know you, who don't know yeah. your family members, who don't know your loved ones, who don't know the decisions that you've made for your life? Why leave it up to them to have control over your life? You can control, maintain. So people think because they're an adult, well, you know, I I, I make the decisions for myself and they will be honored. Well, not in this arena. Not unless you have your power of attorney documents done correctly by an attorney such as yourself, Attorney Mitchell. And then what do you do? You're eliminating the confusion and guesswork about your life. You know, I I don't know anyone if you ask them, you know, do you want want there to be confusion and guesswork around your decisions? No. Well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's get the documents done, okay? Let's get them done by an attorney who knows what she is doing, such as yourself, okay? And also, you want to get them done because you want to reduce or eliminate court and government control of your life, okay? The the, the yeah. courts and the and government your and your property. They've made yeah. decisions already about what's going to happen to your property if you don't claim your power and get your documents done correctly. They've made yeah. decisions for you. Yeah. Okay. And it um, may not be what you want at all. 
In most mm-hmm. cases, it's not going to be what you want. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I don't want, I don't want a guardian to be appointed on my behalf. Uh, right. Uh, by a court system or a conservative right. to control right. my money. I don't know anyone right. who would say, "Yeah, I want that." I want okay. a stranger, right? I want I, a stranger to be, yeah, in charge of my money. I understand we have a caller on the line, real quick. Hello. Yes. Uh, Yes, hi. Uh, I had a question I was curious about. Uh, if a person does not have a physical place of residence and they wanted to complete a will or a trust, how is that handled by the courts, or, or is there some kind of legal requirement by state law? There's what's called domicile. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it's the place where you have most contact with. So we look at where do you vote, where's your driving license, where are you most often, the domicile controls who manages your estate, okay, or how your property is going to be distributed. Uh, and then you can you and you say in your your estate documents where you consider your domicile, because people can have more than one resident, but it's the domicile that courts look to uh, to okay. determine, you know, what 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 state is going to control your your estate. Okay, very okay. good question. Yeah. See, some, some banks, let me give you an example. Banks require that you have a physical place of residence in order to open up an account. But if you don't have a, if a person lost well, their you job. Gotta have, you got to live somewhere. You got to live somewhere. Okay, Where but do they live? don't. Oh, okay, but they do, that, that, that require a place of residence, a house, or somebody may be in their car or something, who knows? That's what I'm no, I can't. Oh, I don't know if you live in your car, but most people have either they rent or they live yeah. with someone. You know, they might yeah. be living with their mother, their father, their brother, their sister, their spouse. But they have a. You have to have a physical place that you can, or an address, I should say. An address, I think, is what what you're looking at. Yeah. It, yeah. It, if the question is some, if you're talking about someone who is um, homeless, in other words, I think then, you know, there, and if you're talking about the District of Columbia area, there are there are a lot of different agencies that uh, the person can, um, you know, can confide in or can go to and get information about how that's handled. If that's the question. Okay. Okay, okay. yeah, I was just curious because no, nobody ever brings that up, and I see a lot of people who who have lost their jobs. And uh, um, because of their, that, they lost their place of residence. So I was just curious about that. Yeah, right. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of different different agencies in the District of Columbia that deal, especially fortunate enough, uh, if you're in the D.C. area, that deals with uh, homeless situations, and um, uh, that can be very, very helpful regarding that. Right. Yeah. So take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Yes. Thank you for calling in, though. That's a good question. Very good. You've been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Go and listen to the podcast. It's called Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever Google's podcasting platform is, um, all the major podcasting platforms. I have people who post our shows there, so they're available 24-7. Take advantage of it, please. Make sure, and also the website, lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com. I want to thank Attorney Lanchester for coming on. Again, you may reach her at 301-322-3700 or 
220-3000. Her website is Lanchester Law. That's L-A-N-C-H-E-S-T-E-R-L-A-W dot com. Uh, you can reach me, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, at Wills and Trusts, LLC, 240-638-2828. Tune in next week, and we will be back with some more good information. Thank you very much, Lan- Attorney Lanchester. Thank, thank you for you. coming it's on. my pleasure. Thank, and uh, thank you for your, the work you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You all take care and be safe. Stay safe. <laughs> 